Okay, cool. Uh, well, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals Yay. for uh, some further coverage of the Evangelion movies. I'm Alex. Hey, and this is Blixa. Hey, and it's Ben. And this week we have a brand new guest, uh, a bit of a star from the Atlanta, Georgia uh, scene. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm embarrassing myself already. Uh, uh, Ben's from Atlanta, or he's in Atlanta right now, from the Athens, Georgia scene. Um, please welcome Adria. Yay. Hi. <laughs> and Adria, we met through Blixa. So Blixa, do you want to intro a little bit? Sure. So Adria, you have a, a very impressive resume. Uh, you are a, a goth rock star, um, a roller derby queen, <laughs> yeah. and also Holy associated shit. with Athens Pride. Uh, do I have all that correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and you are the, the golf queen bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your main gig right now is Tears for the Dying. Is that right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Uh, so Tears for the Dying is uh, my band. Um, I am the lead singer and guitar player and sometimes bass player um, oh, dance. Um, the, we've been playing for, oh gosh, our first show was back in 2004, 2005. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've got, we're actually um, working on a new record right now. Um, our last record was released in, um, on this Batcave Productions record label in Poland. Um, was, what was uh, uh, the name of the album that just got released? Epitaph. Epitaph. And then uh, do you have a name for the album you're working on now? Um, I do, but I'm not going to release it just yet. Okay, so. fair, fair, fair. No, 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 absolutely. No pen, pen, pals exclusive. I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll drop you a line in a little bit. I love it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and what were some of the other uh, musical acts that you were involved with prior to this? More recently, I got an opportunity to play with um, one of my child childhood. Um, I mean. Um, one of my my youth um, favorite bands, um, Pylon, um, here in Athens, and I got to play with them for a couple of shows last month here in Atlanta. We opened up for Gang of Four, and then we played another show down in Savannah, Georgia, and that's just kind of like a dream come true. Like, hmm. just, wow, being able to play with um, Vanessa, the Pylon Reenacting Society is is the the current name of the outfit. The original Pylon members are not playing music right now. So they've kind of got a, an Athens all-star lineup um, in place of that. And they've been playing together as Pylon and React Society for like a number of years. So that was super, super exciting. Yeah. All right. They say never meet your heroes, but it sounds like you had a good experience with that. I met Jim Starlin once who wrote uh, uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Solid guy. Very cool acid head from the 70s. <laughs> mm-hmm. I met Max Brooks in a bathroom. And he was a huge asshole. <laughs> You're listening, Max. Go fuck yourself. I was there first. I was gonna say. I guess I met Dan Harmon once, and it was. I I just disappointed myself oh, because I just like clammed up and like couldn't actually like say anything. Aww. Um, I met um, Gary Newman once. Whoa! <laughs> no way. Like, nice salad dressing, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> oh, so, how did you guys make the connection with uh, Evangelion? Oh, uh, Adria, you 
posted something about Evangelion, and I was like, "What?" Oh, you like- <laughs> I post memes. I haven't posted haven't been posting as many memes lately, but like I historically, I, I mean, I love making just sharing memes about Evangelion. So I probably put one on my feeds, and Luxa saw it, and yeah. we chatted about it, and discovered we both love the show. Yeah. yeah, is that a Ray doll in the background? Yes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm holding up my um, my little Ray plush right now. So. <laughs> yeah. so, so is it fair to say that this uh, Evangelion has a kind of like particular significance yeah, for you? Yeah. Is it so, um, kind of like I, your? I did grow. I mean, I, I would have, you know, had I been a little more tuned in to like anime back when Evangelion originally came out. I mean, would have seen it back then. But like back then, there wasn't internet. Like not that we have today. Um, so I just didn't run on, you know, get involved with Evangelion until much, much later. Um, I actually didn't see the first, um, the original series until like 2018. Um, and I saw it and a former friend of mine introduced me to it. And like, they, they also like, was like, um, showing me these, like, these memes of Evangelion, they were trying, there's like another kind of a satire version of Evangelion, like the original series. And like, they would show me one episode and then, no, we got to watch the funny episode now. And it, it kind of like spoiled a little bit of the, the term that after about like the 10th or so mm-hmm. of that, I was like, uh, now I'm going to watch it on my own. And I did. And um, it was just, I just fell in love with it. And once I finished the original series, I discovered End of Evangelion and watched that next. Um, I was encouraged by the same person not to watch it because they didn't like it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Indian Evangelion really struck a chord with me, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. But like, and after mm-hmm. the end of Evangelion, of course, the rebuild movie started happening in the 2010s. Um, so I did, you know, watch the first three, and then the fourth one came out um, literally on my birthday last year. So I got to see that on my birthday with a bunch of friends, and, and it was super mm-hmm. nice. Oh wow! Yeah. I was yeah. trying to remember. I think I've seen that a similar series to what you're talking about where they kind of they changed the subtitles or the captions these these sped up interviews alex i think you showed me that with attack on titan or something like that mm-hmm. what are those oh, yeah 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 attack on titan abridged uh and i think i know the one you're talking about adria i think you and i ben watched it i think my brother showed it to us when we were young either like we saw it at a convention mm-hmm. or like in the very early days of the internet he found it on like maybe early youtube or something and it was called uh, like yeah. redeath maybe mm-hmm. and it was yeah it was like gendo's a pimp and he's got all these you know, I guess after you've seen the original Evangelion so many times, I mean, now you like are resorting to like make jokes about it because that's that's all you've got left now. Like, and that's what happens. Um, <laughs> I would encourage anybody who's like never seen Evangelion before, don't watch that bridge version. Don't and don't watch Netflix version either. Like that's garbage. They they cut out a lot of they gay washed it. Um, find the original director's cut. However, you have to do that, and there's multiple different avenues to find the original DC version. Um, get that and watch it. Like, that's the best version to watch. Last time on The Longest Clip Show Ever, everything happened again. Well, almost everything from the series anyways. We got some stunning shots of awesome angelic animation alongside some wonderful string quartet music. The rehash of Evangelion was a little trying, though the character-focused emergent narrative was a fitting expansion of the high-concept instrumentality we saw in the series finale. 
What surprises and revelations do we still have in store? Who will have the best action beat? Does Shinji get in the robot? Will we meet God? Let's find out. Okay, you know who's super cute? Uh, Asuka, but unfortunately <laughs> she is unconscious. Asuka, oh, God. Asuka's a little fascist though. She's... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> problematic. Uh, yeah, let's 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 start with the first question. I, no, I'm totally kidding. I'm really yeah. It's good. No, I'm fine. <laughs> like, so we want strong yeah. opinions. Okay. All right. So the first question is, what is end of Evangelion? Uh, so Adria, based on what you've already said, sounds like you've got very specific thoughts about end of Evangelion and how that fits into the larger story. So some of the controversy online is like that. This is like a rewrite or an afterthought, or like a middle finger to like an angry fan base. How do you receive End of Evangelion? End of Evangelion is obviously, because people are listening to this podcast have already, spoilers, I've come to look at Evangelion, like the first series as like one instance of a time loop. And End of Evangelion is kind of the end of another time loop and the rebuilds or yet another time loop iteration. Oh, okay. Um, I, you know, I, people who don't like end of Evangelion are going to criticize it. Well, they, they didn't have money or they were just like, I get it. I get why people don't like it. And it's because number one, Oscar gets brutally murdered. Um, Masato dies. The movie is nothing but trauma on display on parade. And it's, it's a tough one to, to really get behind and find happy fun things to about it um apart from the intro <laughs> so <laughs> i'm so fucked up but it is a tragedy so i guess if people are looking for a happy ending or a triumphant ending or a comedy then this is the wrong ending for them well know? depending on how you interpret the final scene oh, um, sure. i tend to look at the final scene as like a new beginning mm. um and, and and had it not ended with the way it did with Shinji and Asuka coming back to actual corporal being separate entities with AT fields had it not mm-hmm. ended like that. It just ended with, you know, Com saucer Todd, you know, it would have been, yeah, it would have been, it would have left me. I don't know that I would have liked it. <laughs> so. All right. So we kind of need to talk about the first scene. Sure. Cause this is another thing that uh, is polarizing. I think in the anime community mm-hmm. or just, Evangelion fans. Uh, so it starts with uh, Shinji in the hospital looking at Asuka. He's having a nervous breakdown and he's trying to rouse Asuka and she uh, rolls over and her naked body is exposed and uh, Shinji masturbates mm-hmm. and then immediately succumbs to self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Why did this, why was this in the movie? Why is this our like first scene? Like, what does this do? What does it say? Uh, well, I think that it is a quick setup to like, how can we convey to everyone immediately that Shinji is at his lowest? Because if we look at his uh, actions throughout the the movie, like he is so down, he's so depressed that he can't like even people dying in front of him, like is not breaking him out of this slump. It's so bad that to get some form of relief, he's willing to masturbate next to Asuka's unconscious body. 
And then, of course, like, after doing so, he fucking hates himself because, like, that's fucking inappropriate. And it also underscores the isolation that Shinji lived and the lack of connection with with anybody. Like, he didn't have a connection with his mother, obviously. Um, Didn't have a connection with his father. Didn't really have any friends and lived in complete just loneliness. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he's like of age puberty, like, you know, some sexual stuff going on there, trying to figure out like what that's about. And whoops, there's, I, I flipped Asuka over and there's her boobs. And, you know, mm-hmm. like Asuka's asleep right now in coma. So I'm just going to do this thing and see if I'm, I'm good with it, if I like girls or not. Oh, because he's fresh off the Kawaru thing, right? Oh, yeah. And that's a big theme in this one, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He shows up a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are definitely some homoerotic things that have happened in the series that that just kind of overshadowed the hospital scene. Um, There's that. And there's like also with, with regard to Oscar in general, like he was always at arm's length with her. She was always such a fucking bitch to him. And, you know, that was kind of traumatizing in a sense, you know, to have someone repeatedly call you a fucking idiot and like just down, just constantly on your ass. Like, what the fuck? And is there anything I'm good for? Like, you know, for you, like, so she was also just mentally fucked as he was, Mm -hmm. but in a little different direction. It's very symbolic of a lot of different themes that you kind of find flowing through Evangelion. And yeah, I mean, I think, We've talked before about how a lot of this show is about kind of like he has all these kind of sexual desires, none of which are really kind of appro- he has appropriate outlets for them. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, this is just like the extreme version. This is the version you couldn't show on TV. So I think, you know, setting setting the tone from the beginning that like this is going to go darker places than like the show went. Mm hmm. Well, I don't know if it means anything or not, but uh, when I was doing the outline, you know, there's these montages where they do these flashbacks and what they include is Asuka taunting Shinji about masturbating and her telling him to whip it out. And she wants to, to watch him do it. And like just sitting here right now, I got to thinking about like defending Shinji because like there's so much Shinji hate, but like defending him from the standpoint of here's someone with PTSD that freezes when the audience wants to see a kid get in the robot what is he supposed to be 14? Right. Yeah. Like one of the hallmarks of a 14 year old is bad judgment. And like, maybe it's just like shitty, bad judgment, or maybe that's in some weird desperation, like of trying to rouse Asuka. It's like, well, she wanted me to masturbate for her. Like maybe this will trigger her awakening again. That would be an example of bad judgment, but um, it's just like a couple of puzzle pieces that came together in my mind just now. Yeah, I mean, that might track. I'm sure we've all been at a really low point and just wanted some sort of release, right? Mm-hmm. And the world's fucking ending. <laughs> and he knows the world's going to end. He knows. I mean, like, at that time, like, in that time, he already hated himself. Like, he was already fucked. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it wasn't until, like, later on in the, in the even in the beginning, when, you know, Oscar gets fucking obliterated, Shinji, like, no, like, I guess, no, actually, he, you know, he was pretty much wanted to die the whole fucking up until then when he's being dragged around by Masato. Yeah. Poor Shinji. I, you know, like a lot of people fucking hate, hate Shinji. And I, I'm not one of them. I don't necessarily 
like like him, but I relate to Shinji a lot. Totally. I used to hate him. Now I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I can't hate anybody suffering from PTSD. Those symptoms like claim people. No, I mean, they don't choose the behavior. Yeah, that, that scene definitely uh, makes me like him less. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. Valid. <laughs> I, I forgive him for not getting in the robot, but I don't know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You forgive him for letting Asuka die, yeah. but you blame him for masturbating next to her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I respect your take. Yeah, sure. Okay, so we go from here to a few quick scenes just to like set up where we are in the story. We go through Nerve HQ. Uh, we see what Sele or Seal is up to. Misato is going through in her head what people's schemes are. Mm-hmm. Forced evolution of humanity. We're calling instrumentality, uh, but not specifically with Adam or Lilith, but with artificially manufactured angels, the Evas. Sele is obsessed with some idea of preserving life through this, again, artificially manufactured evolution. Um, so I think that Sele, mm-hmm. when we covered the main series, we pretty much agreed that they were allegorical of like the corporate structure of anime production. Oh. In some ways, what's his name? Uh, 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 God damn it. Gendo. Ano? Well, in some ways, Ano is Gendo. But in some ways, Ano is also Shinji, right? But in the ways that he's Gendo, he's like got a plan that Sele doesn't know about and he's going to make this anime that's going to confuse everyone, right? But uh, uh, I loved Sele's portrayal in this because it just shows you like, hey, every avenue that you can be attacked on as a creative type, they have access to that. They can cut Mm -hmm. your communications, they can surround you. And then if you think you're the only people that can make an anime that looks like this, they can make 13, like the mass produced angels. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, that's a disappointment though. How so? Uh, Capitalism, it just sucks. (laughs) Uh, It just fucks up everything. It's like socially toxic. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm on uh, my age. My hormones just uh, got altered. So I'm a little uh, reactionary today. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, I guess, like to to just kind of switch from fighting the, the angels to fighting kind of like these faceless humans that are just kind of like sent in here completely cutthroat, right? They like they are humans, but they're like humans without humanity, essentially, right? And it's actually the humanity of the people at Nerve that's now being used against them, that they're they're used to fighting mm. angels, but they're not mm. used to fighting humans. And it's kind of similar mm. to like mm. Kawaru, basically, that like at least that's like what fucked with Shinji so much was the fact that like here was this person who seemed like a friend, like friend or a lover, this kid who is his age. You know, he he's going through all this stuff, having done that personally, but now kind of like all of these adults and other people are struggling with like the exact same thing that they forced upon him. Mm-hmm. I guess I just forgot that Shinji is fresh off of killing someone that he may have been in love with. Mm-hmm. And that that's like then, like before that, he's already killed like uh, the school friend. Like, I don't know. No. <laughs> I mean, and all, all the civilians that, you know, you don't really see die, that you know die, feels mm-hmm. responsible for. He put his, fr- you know, friends in danger. Sailor's, Sailor's weird. Um, I still don't have a full 
rap on what sailors' motivations ultimately are. They remind me of like secret societies mm. and they're kind of like working behind the scenes. They're, they're, they're the ones who actually pull the strings in the world to make, you know, kind of set the wars in play and kind of put this group against the other. And like, and then like you have Gendo who's like, fuck you. I just want to hook up my wife again. Like <laughs> someone help me with the lore of this story. Like Sele, they believe that the third impact is inevitable and that's going to be the end of the world. And then instrumentality is the way it's like the arc. It's what, how life is going to continue. Right. I think that's what I understand too. Okay. Um, why is this first half of the movie called Love is Destructive? What is it? Love is Destructive? Yes. So 20, episode 25 and 26 were the last episodes of the series. And the way this film is uh, presented and broken into the two parts in hmm. uh, 25 is Love is Destructive. Well, I mean, I guess we have two plots of the, there's kind of like this Shinji Asuka thing. I mean, I don't know if that's love, but you know, it's kind of like he's, he's overtaken by something that ends up in some ways, like only hurting himself. Right. Cause Asuka is unconscious mm-hmm. for it, but like, you know, he feels like he's done something unforgivable and then Gendo and is also kind of like having his inappropriate love for Ray or, or Yui and, and kind of, willing to basically like destroy the world to do what he wants to do. Right. Mm-hmm. What makes sense to me is like Gendo's love for Yui is destructive. Seems weird to title this whole half of the story just based on Gendo's whole thing. And then I was just wondering like, who does Shinji love? And is that the issue that he doesn't love anybody? Mm. He does. I mean, I think he loved Kaoru. Mm. Um, I mean, he wanted to love Masato like as a mother, but it's conflicted because it's not my mom. And like, yeah. And then like, I don't know. What's the title for 26? Does that give us any clues? My copy only had the Japanese and I couldn't translate it. So who here believes that End of Evangelion is just as another part of the original series, like a more detailed version of the final two episodes. Hmm. I guess I see it as like an alternative ending. I'm trying to remember, we, we just recently watched the previous movie, but I, I forget if that already started to kind of like alter significantly from, from the series. So are, are you feeling that like EOE is more of a like an alternate universe rather than like a different timeline or like when you say it's like an alternate ending, is that just like, from a capitalist perspective of like, oh, you can, you can get this product or that product. I guess, yeah, mm. that's how it's in my head is is kind of like another fictional ending, like a kind of like director's cut or something like that. Adria, where are you on this? Um, I, don't, I don't know how much it was caught. We just started talking about this, but I do believe EOE is just another time loop. Like episode 25 and 26 is the end of that time loop. We go back around and this is another correct, planet, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That makes total mm. sense. I was going to say, I was looking on uh, fandom. And so there's two titles that have been given to the first half of end of Eva. So one is air and the other one um, is love is destructive. And then the second half um, is sincerely yours. And one more final Colin, I need you. Um, Have there been that many cuts of this? Yeah. What? Yeah, there's a theatrical release, and then there was a TV release, and then the Netflix version that I watched. Wow. 
they did a new dub for the Netflix release of mm. it. And so I bet what happened is they just did, they paid those voice actors to do Death and Rebirth and End of Evangelion. Although Death and Rebirth, there's like three new lines. Well, what if they're all time loops? <laughs> yeah. I'm not opposed to that okay. idea. It, it's just, I, like, it's more like chaotic that way, but also like, it's easier for me to accept that than like fight with people online about, no, this is canon. This is not canon. <laughs> <laughs> no, see it. No, oh, see yeah. it. Whatever people want to believe is yeah. good. See everything. Decide if you like it for yourself. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So we have this other scene. Misato, uh, Misato is hacking. And if I understand right, she's just trying to get some of her own answers. And then Sele starts trying to hack. And that's why Witsuko is released. Like she's in the brig and she's going to be asked to do the countermeasures or activate some security protocol. Yeah, because in the the episode that would be previous to this in the show, she just destroyed all the Ray clones. And so I think that's why she was in the brig. That's right. Yeah, so I forgot Ritsuko killed all the clones. Uh, later on, we're going to see her pointing a gun at Gendo to kill him. Um, mm, not really to kill him. Okay. No, she just wants to force him to make a choice, and then he makes mm -hmm. the choice. He's like, oh, Yui. If my choice is my dead wife or any other woman, the choice is my dead wife. And that's mm -hmm. when she puts the gun down. She literally was about to blow everybody up, including Gendo and herself and Shinji, everybody. She pulled out of her pocket a little remote control and pressed a button, which Casper was then going <gasps> to right. explode everything. And Casper like oh. is access denied. And Ritsuko is like, you betrayed me to your lover. And then she pulls out the gun and points to Gendo, pulls a trigger, click, doesn't fire. Gendo pulls his revolver out and guns are down. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I was trying to remember yeah. because the, the three, and then I just looked it up. So the three different supercomputers are the different aspects of her mother's personality, right? Mm -hmm. Like she couldn't figure out a way to program everything into one. So like one is her as a mother, one is her as a scientist, and one is her as a woman. Okay. And Casper is the one of her as a woman. So it makes sense that that's the one, you know, like maybe mm -hmm. the mother would have been okay oh. with it, but the, yeah, her as a woman chooses that chooses Gendo Gendo. over yeah. Hmm. Brilliant. So chaos is erupting. Everyone's dying. Yeah. The thing that a lot of Eva fans get mad about is Shinji is having a like a freeze response. Asuka is still in a coma or unconscious. We at this point we don't know where Ray is. Um, we kind of do know where Ray is. She's in you know a big bath of. Fanta orange. Because uh, remember, <laughs> towards the very start of the, the thing, I think after the very next scene after the, the hospital is they waking up at night, seeing the full moon, and you hear the doors clang shut. And next thing you see is she's like in this big pool yeah. of Fanta but, orange. But like her hair is like kind of yeah. yellow or something. So like it's, I remember seeing it and being like, is that Ray? Like I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was totes, right? Because, like, she had her, like, school uniform neatly folded in her shoes um, right next to the pool mm, she was in. Smart. <laughs> it's, you know, like, each of the kids feel, I just feel like each of them have a lot of trauma processing that they're going through. And it's just interesting to see how each one handles it. Oh, yeah, that's completely true. So, yeah, the invasion is going really badly for Nerve. And 
Misato uh, is going to go find Shinji because uh, no one else has her skills. Like she can fight her way through this army and get to him. Uh, and then Shinji's there, fetal position, repeating, I want to die. That was something I really liked is sometimes you're like, why are the, why do these people have these jobs? Right. But this, this showed us like, this is why Misato <laughs> has this job. <laughs> like mm -hmm. she's good at a bunch of manipulative tactics for better or for worse. And she's good at close quarters fighting. Mm -hmm. So here's one of the, the first kind of abstract cuts. I just called it like the primordial history, like a narration happening. It's like, here's all the crazy stuff that has happened. Mm -hmm. It talks about the, the second impact, the whole idea behind Adam being reverted to an embryonic state. And I think we see that in the series, uh, Gendo grafting it onto himself, presumably mm -hmm. as a part of his plan to merge with the Lilith version of Rey. Which is funny that they didn't make note of it again, because like they'd have the one shot in the series and they make mm -hmm. a bigger deal out of it in the, the, the manga adaptation, I think, but where it shows Adam grafted into Gendo's hand. And then I thought they'd have a quick shot mm -hmm. just to show that one more time before he mm -hmm. melds his hand into her breast. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is fucking nothing. creepy as shit. <laughs> Gross. Fuck, there's like, there, that's one scene. Another scene that is also, we can kind of bookmark this comeback later is the, which we're probably coming up on real soon, is um, Masato's goodbye to Shinji. Oh, yeah. So I don't remember, I'm, it was probably said explicitly in the series, but they say it here that uh, humanity comes from Lilith and mm -hmm. that like humans are the 18th angel and all the previous angels are what humanity could have been uh, if things went that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are we at these uh, images of childhood trauma yet? Almost. Okay, Asuka cool. is waking up. Uh, I don't remember who said it, but like, what a shitty way to wake up from a coma. Like you're in <laughs> the uh, fucking war machine, like the bottom of a lake during a siege. And there's like depth charges yeah. going off all around <laughs> you. What I thought was really interesting about this was the, the sort of juxtaposition we have Shinji chanting to himself, I want to die. And now we see Asuka, like, I don't want to die. Yeah. And then uh, I guess the idea is like the voices that she's hearing that beckon her and wake, awaken her is it's her mother. It's like the right. Ava she's piloting. Again, I don't know how the mechanics work out, but like just as like um, Shinji's Ava is Yui, his mother, like Asuka's Ava is her mother. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Is that right? That's right. Asuka has an epiphany while getting bombarded in the bottom of that lake. And that's when she has this renewed injured energy. Like she like rises up to fight the mass, pre mass produced divas. And I, that epiphany is repeated a bit later when Shinji's sitting in front of unit one. He also has this mm -hmm. epiphany of sorts that his right. mother's right there. So this seems like asking who are the good guys in this? Like, who are the people that take children and make child soldiers and their mothers are the war machines that these kids are piloting? There are no good guys. This is and, not that simple. This is not yeah. a story for children. You really wanted to do this. She chose this for herself. Well, wait, she chose to participate in the, the Ava experiment, but I don't yeah. think she chose to die. I thought it was explicit. Like, there's a flashback scene where she's under the tree with baby Shinji and she's talking about becoming the eternal Ava. 
Oh, what? Okay, sorry, mm-hmm. I missed that. There's some sort of conversation like that in this movie with the second-in-command dude. That's the one you're talking about? Shinji's in the stroller or whatever? I'm having trouble following my own notes. Thank you, Ben. She says um, something like, the Avas will live on forever, along with the soul of whoever is implanted in it. Ah, so, it, okay. I mean, I don't know if she says, and that's going to be me or something, right? But but it does make it seem like, oh, they know they have to, like, implant some sort of human soul. In, in the TV show, I think it did mm. seem more like it was just, like, an accident because, like, Gendo is very, like, shocked and, like, surprised when that happened. Unless it was, like, a choice she made yeah. against his will or, or something like that. Or, mm. I thought she was donating her, her life to science. Yeah, we'll get there. Like the the scene, Ben, you mentioned it's when uh, Yui's under the tree with uh, Kozu. Yeah, Kozu. All right, I lost us. Um, uh, Asuka, she's uh, awake now. So the mass production units are descending. There are nine of them. Yeah. And then we get (laughs) some of the best uh, fight choreography in like all of the history of animation. It's fucking awesome. Asuka says like, Earth Day. Uh, so she's calling out her targets. It's like first mm. in German, I believe. For those of you who have done more research than me, I guess this is the thing that's confusing. Um, like the fight choreography has been studied and studied by like mm. anime analysts. What is like really significant is like the weight physics. Uh, it's almost like how video game designers mm-hmm. would choreograph things. But like it's like from the, the late 90s, which like unprecedented. And when I went back and looked at the series, the end credits scene mm-hmm. for episode 25 showed the storyboards for this fight. Yeah. Was that the Netflix cut or was that the original? No, that's the original. And people, when the series ended, they were like, what the fuck happened to that stuff we saw at the end of that one episode? We really wanted to see that fight. And they had to wait until this movie came out. And then they were like, oh, that's where it went. So that's part of the angst from the fan base. Yeah. And why... The guy next to you was vandalized and death threats and people were doxxed or whatever their version of doxing was back then. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, so there are nine of these mass production angels and there are nine orders of angels uh, under God's command in, in most biblical things, right? And uh, I sent a, uh, a little picture in the chat and I think that the design of <clears throat> the mass production angels is based off of these penguins. <laughs> <laughs> which has a little bit of bearing because as Adro wonderfully commented on the picture pen pen is part of in some way is part of this Ava project he's some byproduct of some process and Masato was like I will take that penguin thank you very much <laughs> so like it's not unreasonable to think that pen pen or one of his brethren was like the genetic template for these mass production. And how did how did you come to this conclusion, Alex? Did you just see this oh. penguin one time and you're like, that reminds me of End of Evangelion? No, someone <laughs> yeah. mentioned chinstrap penguins. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, they're these volcanic penguins. And I was like, wait, 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 warm weather penguins. Mm. That sounds familiar. And then I looked at these things. I was like, those look so weird. And it wasn't until I watched this today that I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's why they look so weird. Because mm. they look like this. I see it. The mass producers are also very creepy. You know, like the the, yeah. the crooked teeth and the red smile and the, the elongated 
neck and head, and the, just the droopy, awkward way they move in which they're very destructive. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's like, it's, they're just creepy as shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Surf almost like a like Miyazaki creepy. Feels like something that could be, I don't know, maybe, maybe too scary for Miyazaki, but something out of Spirited Away or... Uh, yeah, some of the ways that like their faces get smashed in and then like pieces fall out is very akin to like, is it no face? Starts like spewing forth gold and you're yeah. like, oh God, what is happening? Yes. I'm trying to think of the of, of the commercial that um the, the kids like in the store and, and um fuck, I'm like drawing a blank with the actor's name. Oh, Robin Williams. Robin Williams is in the store as a clerk for this drugstore, and the kid comes up and is like, Oh, that's a really cool robot. Neon Genesis Evangelion. What does he do? Well, he's a good guy, he can fly, and he has a silver sword that can kill bad guys. Really? Yeah, he's 60 feet tall. And he's a good guy, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and they hold a package up. <laughs> he's a master like, yes, yes. Yeah, it was like mm. one-hour photo or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. Very strange Robin Williams okay. film. Yeah, like the uh, master scene was like... like the scene like at the very start of the movie where like you know the ocean and kind of the camera pans up eventually you see the ayamami like they're like these figures in the ocean and you see the same thing in the rebuild movies of these creatures that they're they're, they're petrified mass-produced evas to me oh and they just keep unearthing version like former time with versions <laughs> i don't know so we're getting to the scene that uh adria was referencing earlier Again, one of the parts of this story that is very polarizing for the fan community. This is where uh, Misato kisses Shinji. An adult kiss. Yeah. And again, Shinji's 14. Okay. I had to watch this a, a few times to sort of break down the, the sequence of events here. Uh, Misato is desperately trying to rally Shinji uh, to get him into the Ava. And she starts um, with like these formal reprimands, like giving Shinji orders as the superior, like you got to get yourself together. You fucking, <laughs> but it doesn't work. Uh, and then she sort of tries this like trauma processing, like it's a therapeutic uh, technique and it doesn't work. And then she starts laying out some hard truths and then she becomes very empath uh, like empathic and compassionate. Then it seems like the last straw, a desperate act is seduction. Like, I'm sure she knows Shinji, like the corny teenager that he is, likes her. Um, and then she goes there because nothing else has worked. Well, she's definitely, she's lying to him, right? Because she's like, mm. there's plenty of this, like when mm -hmm. you come back and then immediately she dies, right? So like- yeah, She's bleeding out. Yeah, this isn't actually mm -hmm. like her confession of love to him or whatever. This is, yeah, her like last desperate mm -hmm. attempt to just like wake him out of his like fog. And, and then too, there's this line of yeah. like, oh, Kaji, like, I, I hope I'm doing the right thing. Which, which I think, you know, the hacking and some of that stuff, I think, is her kind of continuing on Kaji's mission, which I've kind of forgotten what that is at this point. If that's uh, helping Gendo betray Seal or Kaji even had his own separate aim that maybe to betray mm. Gendo and Seal and keep humanity alive, stop the third impact from happening. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, the Masato Shinji scene, the very end, is, like, very powerful. Like, it doesn't hit you, like, well, it didn't hit me the first time I saw it. 
it didn't really strike me. I didn't think about like the fact that Masato is 15 years older than Shinji. Again, maybe it was a manipulation that she was trying to get him. Like, but it's like, you know, she was really talking a lot of wisdom to Shinji, trying to get through, even though he was at his like fucking worst. Like she was trying to just put something in Shinji that would give him a little bit of hope to hold on to, put one foot in front of the other and go and help Asuka. You can lead a Shinji to an Ava, but you cannot make him sink. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So just to respond to some of the criticism I saw online, I'll just ask the question. Do we see any evidence in any iteration of the story that Misato was in love with Shinji or anything that would suggest this kiss was anything other than desperate motivation? I don't think so. I think that Misato was like more of like a mother figure to Shinji. She was a very Mm -hmm. cool mother, the beard, like the messy apartment and all that. But she literally was just looking out for Shinji and she probably saw Shinji as a pseudo child of hers in a sense, like something Mm -hmm. to take care of, somebody to take care of in her life that she didn't have, she may never have. So I thought that there was love there, but it wasn't the romantic love. Yeah, um, I think Masato teased at that in the series, but I don't believe that that was anything she would follow through on. No. So Misato was in love with Kaji. Mm-hmm. And then what we see during the instrumentality montage is that Misato had so, at least some kind of idea that she could have been or wanted to be like a surrogate mother to Shinji, but felt (laughs) guilty Mm. about failing to do so. Mm. So I really feel like those are the most important to include when through the lens that we view this. I mean, it's, this is one of the big two, like really provocative parts of the story. What what, what are you, what are you saying is the big two? Oh, Shinji masturbating over Asuka and then the uh, Masato kiss. So, so Asuka's, uh, Ava getting, like rended into to pieces and eaten alive. That's uh, not not provocative. <laughs> <laughs> so also, Ben, just to acknowledge what you're saying, like maybe this is just my cynicism, but like uh, I feel like just violence is more accepted yeah. by our culture in general than anything having to do with yeah, affections I or I, I remember sexuality. One of the totally like this is like back I don't know like early 2000s or whatever when when I first encountered this series. Like I remember it had. I feel like the bad reputation Evangelion had at that point was for like, quote unquote, like fan torture that like kind of like this show like bonds you with these characters and then just like <clears throat> does all of these like horrible things to them. And I feel like at that time anyway, it was like the death of Asuka was like this thing that people were like very angry at kind of like the the arc that they'd given her. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't hold any punches. It's... <laughs> It's very brutal. Yeah, End of Evangelion is absolutely emotionally charged. When we were just covering the series, I did watch End of Evangelion and Asuka's death. It impacted me emotionally. And that's why I produced a a couple of musical pieces for the series. And I went ahead and did the second one uh, just because of Asuka's death. And I guess it is kind of morbid, the whole song. It's just basically Asuka screaming. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to say uh, one, one thing that watching it this time uh, around uh, remind me of is this thing like uh, the like Tibetan sky burial. Oh. Hmm. What is that? So, so it's in these like, kind of like mountain cultures, they'll like take people's corpses and like put them up on the top of mountains for these like carrion birds to eat. Yeah. It's very hygienic. It's really good for the environment. <laughs> and I think it's too, it's like this, I like maybe kind of like Buddhist idea of then like you're kind of 
transferring your soul into these birds or something like that. Oh, then I was just thinking when you're talking, Alex, about like the mass produced Eva's is like kind of maybe this stand in for like the more generic anime industry or something like that. And that like Ano has like created these characters and put these ideas into the world now for them to be like copied and like mm -hmm. they will live on in all of these other animes and and kind of like um he just has to accept that there's going to be all these like asuka clones out there <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and even if you like were to tear them down somehow they'll just get replaced they'll either regenerate or there'll be 10 new ones in the next season mm. but i love the asuka fight because asuka shows us that asuka is the best pilot like maybe Shinji can sync up and save the world, but when it actually comes to combat capabilities, Asuka is where it's at. Yeah, she's badass. Uh, and we didn't get to see that in the series, right? Mm. Like there was all the talk. Oh no, in the series, I, I think it was shown like even like on the ship when they battled the, oh, the boat one. Yeah, I think she demonstrated she has, you know, superior you know, fighting skills, you know, like that's not not to be underestimated or un unspoken mm. at all. Like, but like, Oscar's like, a, oh yeah, she just is so fucking mean to people. <laughs> like, yep. And like, I had a little more like, once you had, you got later on to the series, the original series, you kind of get into Oscar's mind. You learn about her mother and the doll, and like, really, she is fucked. She is fucked. Like, and it kind of yeah. maybe had a bit of sympathy for Oscar, but like. Also, my ex's favorite character was Oscar, oh. and my ex was not very <laughs> poisoned. Good. It's poisoned. Nice to me. That's so, it. I, so like, she kind of tainted <laughs> that that character for me. I, I appreciate Oscar, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the the the, the Oscar um, instrumentality montages. I watched it at half speed, and it's just like all a lot of really disturbing images of childhood trauma. Yeah, they both more or less watched their mom die, right? Uh, Asuka and Shinji. And and Asuka doesn't technically see it happen, but she opens the door and finds her mother, right? That, like she's killed herself? Like, yeah, I don't remember exactly. Okay, so Asuka gets accepted as the Ava pilot, and that same day she runs home to tell her mother, and her mother has killed herself. And we speculated in the anime that the reason she became the pilot is because her mother killed herself. Because now the soul <gasps> is there, and now the Ava will activate. Oh, shit. That's <laughs> fucked up. Right? All right. I feel really bad for Asuka now. Yeah. But she got to have this, like, reunion sort of thing, and I was really badass before she was torn apart. Um, like, and like mother, like daughter, like, she, like, is exhibiting the similar behaviors that her mother, you know, showed to her, ignoring her and treating her like shit. She kind of does that to people around mm. her doesn't want to let anybody get close. Half of behavior's taught, the other's caught. I mean, Ayanami is like the least fucked of them all and, you know, maybe emotionally stunted, but like... Yeah, well, she pilots a previous version of herself as opposed to her own mother. <laughs> so I guess that's easy. <laughs> like, kind of getting molested by, like, her father figure, but, like, they were married. <laughs> I don't know. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so another thing that happens here uh, and this is going to happen many more times in this story are these like phantom images of ray this i think it's when masato's dying is the first time we see the phantom ray what is this what's going on i mean i don't know diegetically but like thematically it sounds like what 
uh, I think Adria just said this, the like the clones of, or maybe Ben just said it, the like the clones of this character, like Ray is everywhere now. You cannot, you know, like you can find Ray art from 10 million artists right now, right? Like mm -hmm. she's fucking everywhere. You can't escape her on the internet. So I think that's what it is. So it's like a meta thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out like the mechanics behind the bonding of Ray and Lilith. Um, and when Misato is exploded, I don't think they and Lilith have yet like actually bonded together or have they? So I think just because I was kind of like watching through it as, as we've been talking that I think this scene happens, then Asuka dies, yeah. then we get that like middle of the movie credits. Yeah. And then when it starts up again, that's um, yeah. Ray standing there with Gendo. Yeah. So I don't know if this means anything or not, but like, so this isn't the Ray that we've known throughout the series because that Ray died. And this is like a newly activated clone. That's right. And these clones were in the LCL tank. Is that? Uh, yeah. There's, well, I don't know if they were in that same tank that she was swimming in that, you know, you see the yellow hair because it's the LCL, but like, mm -hmm. I believe Ray 3 is the one that we're on in the end of Evangelion. Okay. And these Ray clones, are they, is there some kind of material linked with them and Lilith? Yeah, Lilith, Ray's soul is Lilith's soul. It's not Yui's soul. Hmm. Yui's soul is in Ava 01. Uh, okay. Like they have the physical body of Lilith. Sorry, f physical body of Yui. Oh yes, physical body of Yui. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. And then, um, and it's the same way. That's why Kaoru is her mirror because Kaoru is a clone body of whoever, but is inhabited by the soul of Adam. That's why they're trying to reunite Kaoru with what they thought was Adam. Okay. I, sorry, I just want to say I hadn't made that connection. So, so Ray isn't Shinji's mother. It's like the DNA of his mother. Genetically, yeah. She does. But but yeah. then the the soul is Lilith's soul. Yeah. All right. So, and if all of humanity, in terms of the lore of this show, comes from Lilith, uh, is the idea like the phantom rays that we're seeing everywhere? Those are like Ooh. aspects of Lilith. Yeah, hmm. so they're all Lilith's hmm. children. So when instrumentality comes back and it's Lilith who does it, it's like, oh, Lilith appears to all of her children in her ray form. Okay, that's interesting. Or not, oh, sometimes in, in Kaoru's form, sometimes in, like, um, she hmm. shows up as Misato one time. Yeah, they show up uh, They show up as, like, rays, and then they morph into whatever the desire of that person is, right? Because it's, that's like, right. Misato hmm. for the tech who was dating Misato at the end. And then oh, I totally yeah. missed this when I was a kid, but um, the female tech, yeah. she sees Ritsuko. And I was like, what an awesome little yeah. win. And like yeah. on the computer screen, cool. she was like, writing, I need you. Yeah. Super awesome. It was explicit. Yeah, I loved it. So we go from this high moment to like something just so sad and horrible and tragic. Uh, Ritsuko confronts Gendo at the LCL tank where Lilith is. Oh, God, fuck. I feel so bad for Ritsuko. But uh, yeah, I, I titled this section, Ritsuko loses everything. She has no connection to Gendo. She, I guess, has no connection, no real connection to her mother. And then in the end, she's just this disposable thing. But she's not disposable to the female tech, God damn it! <laughs> there is that. Someone loved her. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going really slow on our, like... Uh, 
through our outline? Does someone want to? Yeah, I th I mean, I think we can uh, uh, kind of skip to what is ostensibly the end because like a lot of this is what episode 25 and 26 was, but with a much higher okay. budget. It's the instrumentality thing. It's the uh, vision quest thing. One thing just like after, after covering Darling and the Franks where there were a number of arms that got lost. So we start off this scene with Ooh. Ray and Gendo and I'm just like, what what is the you know gynax trigger whatever anime like obsession with like people losing arms like is this some sort of like mythological reference that i'm not getting you know Interesting. i think like you know star wars does that um and i know george lucas was a big myth person so i don't know if that's some sort of like hero's journey kind of a thing or or what mm. So, so there might be something, but we're not we're not sure what the arm arm stuff is. I think they just really like arms. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, I feel like we can't go forward without at least looking at that scene in particular when like when Gendo is inserting Adam into the and she accepts, she goes right for the boob, and then like the hand slides down in the stomach, in the yeah, wound yeah, area, yeah. and mm -hmm. like almost impregnate you know impregnating they with Adam, which is kind of gross and symbolic of something very fucked up. And at some point they hear Shinji cry out and she was like, you know what? Fuck Gendo and removes Gendo's hand. Her arm reappears yeah. and she like hops into Lilith and begins the third impact. Yeah. Mm. Um, and she rejected Gendo and Gendo was not going to be brought into instrumentality and was going to suffer an actual mm. death, which you didn't see unit one bite Gendo in half. <laughs> Very satisfying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so something's sort of coming to me. If Ray is not Yui, then of course Gendo's plan is not going to work. If Ray is like Lilith or humanity, then the Shinji thing makes more sense because like, mm -hmm. who does Shinji love? Um, what is Shinji missing? Like, he's not fully human. I don't mean like he's not genetically human or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's like his journey to be fully human, I guess. And now here we have this apparition of humanity saying like Shinji is calling to me like that feels epic. Yeah, because Shinji is like a Christ figure in this, right? Not that he like has all the answers or actually is in tune with this higher power or anything, but he is the focal point for the sacrifice that will decide where this goes one way or the other right mm. so like ray mm. or lilith responding to that like of course because that's like the favored child okay i'm good i'm good with that well i lost this again uh calm saucer time like what an amazing song it starts playing you know before shit really starts happening mm -hmm. why am i hearing happy music right now it's not nice piano melody in the background and then the lyrics come in And like, you know, I don't like the first time I saw it, I maybe wasn't really listening to the lyrics, but then the second time I saw it, I was listening to the lyrics and like, oh my God, this is really fucked up and deep and sad. And like, what a perfect choice of a song, you know, for this anime and that specific moment when Shinji says, fuck it, I want to die and taking everybody with me. Totally. <sighs>
I don't remember any of the lyrics of the song. So Komsuser Todd means in German, right? Oh. Uh, which has special significance because one of the survivors is Asuka, right? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, after Shinji decides that he actually kind of wants to have people instead of yeah. instrumentality, that's that's when Oscar comes back. And there's also some lore about Asuka's arm. Again, there's this whole thing with arms, which maybe I, I kind of feel like I now want to dig into that a little bit more and find out that, you know, yeah. the arm's like, fucked up because that's the arm she reached out with but like someone's like well maybe that's Masato's arm because that's the arm of like reaching out and caressing Shinji at the very end of it and that that gesture of love as like almost like a motherly love I'm like hmm. Hmm. well this is kind of sloppy but I'm recalling like a few Akira Kurosawa movies like that are set in like the feudal era, era when there's like, you know, emperors and shoguns and all this stuff. And they have generals who are like the hand of, or like the will of uh, their superiors. And like, I'm sort of searching my mind for that sort of idea of um, the hand being like symbolic of the extension of someone's will mm. and it being severed. Like with Gendo, that makes a lot of sense to me. With Asuka, it makes sense to me. Totally. And with Ray. She loses the arm, and then that's when she, like, does what Gendo wants to do, right? So it seems like she's losing her agency, oh. but then she absorbs Gendo's hand, oh. reforms her arm, and is like, and, oh, oh, yeah! Yeah, I'm doing what I want to do, mm. bitch. No, that really tracks. That's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lyric in Com Slusser Todd that's always been really got me it's just i think about it sometimes um it's like the second refrain um uh, i was going to do a cover of this in my band and i might still do this one day but like the the refrain goes i wish that i could turn back time because now the guilt is all mine can't live without the trust mm. from those you love mm. like that's shinji and mm. god that just like cuts deep and there is that when when asuka is fighting and he's like listening and like has all this shame. That's like one of the things she says about him is like, Oh, you, you can't count on Shinji to do anything. Right? <gasps> like, <laughs> oh my God. So it literally plays out. Asuka couldn't live. <laughs> oh shit. Shit. So the consular time is from the perspective of Shinji. Well, it works for both of yeah. them. Asuka and literally couldn't live. It, it yeah. Totally and does. Shinji couldn't be a full human. Like yeah, you're yeah. saying, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think it resonates. A lot of people who like Indie Evangelion and mm -hmm. don't like absolutely despise Shinji. I feel like a lot of us like see ourselves and some of our own traumas played out on screen. And we, we see that. I mean, I see that myself with even with Asuka. Like, I feel that's part of why I fell so deeply in love with Evangelion is because I saw myself mm -hmm. in so many different characters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I feel that's why a lot of trans people particularly really get involved with, with Evangelions because, you know, Shinji is a girl, like, Shinji is an egg. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, we see ourselves <laughs> in Shinji so much. Like, the pain and suffering that we felt before we transitioned is this pain and suffering that we see Shinji going through. Yeah. I could definitely map that mm. on there, totally. I think a lot of the, and I think this is what I felt as a young person. Like I really did not like Shinji, especially in this. And I think it was like a fear-based reaction because like, yes, you're supposed to, you know, as a young 
you know, socialized male person, like I was supposed to like see the main character as like this power fantasy for me or something like that. And I was like, oh shit, what if I get to a point like that and I can't get in the AVO? What if I, what if like the crisis moment comes and I'm just like, uh, uh, and someone I love gets hurt because I'm not able to protect them. I think that's what I felt and why mm. I hated Shinji because I was like, fuck you, I'm not that. And you're mm. like, well, you don't know yet. So maybe you don't be so hard mm. on the kid. Mm. Well, Adrian, you put me in a really strange headspace just now. Thinking about egg Shinji, I first experienced uh, my femininity as like a sort of entity that wasn't me, but mm -hmm. somewhere locked away. And just thinking about that line, Ray says, I hear Shinji calling to me. It's something I really relate to in that context, that um, like Blixa wasn't a person that came to me until mm. I called out to her. Uh, I mm. really, really like that. And the other thing is uh, I feel like this question has suddenly been answered. Like I always wonder, like, why do we do this thing to ourselves? Like listen to like a sad song over and over again to feel mm. sad. You know, and like sometimes people want to feel numb. Maybe sometimes people want to feel something, even if it's unpleasant, rather than feeling nothing at all. But like mm -hmm. the idea of a connection really makes sense because, you know, like a sad song or like a sad, tragic character, like mm -hmm. it comes from a person. Mm -hmm. And when you experience that, you're experiencing another person. And that feels good, even if it on the surface feels bad. It's, it's a really deep connection with another human being that like, we often don't get even with the people that we do know in real life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can turn it on and turn it off as you want. And I'm grateful that Hideaki Ano decided to make this anime series. And I understand that Ano was also very depressed in the late nineties. Um, and that just bleak depression is what we saw in Shinji. But just as, Masato encouraged Shinji, you know, like, yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes and regrets and like, but I come back and, and try it. Each time I, I come back, I, I, I do it a little bit better, you know, and, and he's still out there. He's still like, you know, he, he didn't give up. And mm -hmm. I think there's a message in that. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder too, with the kind of um, Anu as Shinji and Anu as Gendo, it's like, maybe his internal debate of like, oh, like, am, am I trying again and like trying to do it right this time? Or am I trying to like recreate this experience with Yui, uh -huh. like my, my dead wife, that's just like impossible. <laughs> and like, like, I think maybe yeah. he has some like conflict about kind of going back to this story over and over again. And like, is he doing it for the mm -hmm. right reasons or for the, the wrong reasons? Um, since we were talking about Gendo and father figures, one of the things that comes up, uh, I don't know if it's this sequence or a little bit later, is we get insights into Gendo's mind and we hear like at least his justification of the distance that he kept Shinji at. And it was like, um, I wouldn't have been able to love him is what it amounts to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the coward's way out and you see the same behavior repeated in his progeny. Mm. Um, I feel like... Uh, Probably a lot of people have a father that's like that. Maybe Anno himself did. I don't know if Aunt Anno has his own children. Um, but I, I guess the, the thing that really struck me is just the disappointment that Gendo couldn't be or wouldn't be a better person. It just seems like he didn't even try. That was my dad, for sure. 
a good number of people listening to this podcast right now are going to like, that was my dad. <laughs> I think, I mean, you can kind of imagine this situation. I'm trying to think, I feel like this comes up in stories of kind of like one parent dies and now the child reminds you of the death of that parent. And that's just like a painful thing. And mm-hmm. so you avoid it. So he just sent Shinji off to be raised by whatever kind of like unnamed relatives. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> that's his backstory. It, um, that That's literally Scrooge. That's why he's such a Scrooge. Is cause... Scrooge's mother died and the father couldn't bear whatever emotional stress that was. And... Oh, so Scrooge is Shinji. Yeah. Uh, I'm Shinji too. Uh, so like I can have a lot of uh, grace towards Shinji, you know, as someone with PTSD and Maybe that's Gendo's excuse, but um, I don't have any grace towards Gendo. Yeah, Gendo's the adult. Shinji's the child. Shinji's allowed to fuck up. (laughs) Correct. And, you know, I suppose you could look at Gendo and say, like, here's someone who's starving for intimacy. He felt an intimate connection to this one person and then used other people to his advantage because he could tell they had, like, an intimate attraction to him. And, like, that's Shinji's one of them. He could have felt something with a relationship with Shinji. He could have felt intimacy if he had like accepted his role. And that's why I can't forgive him. Yeah. So yeah, I have zero empathy for Gendo. Zero. <laughs> maybe, maybe a tiny bit more after the final rebuild movie, but like just such an unlikable distant character and like really written that way. And it's kind of hard to undo that, you know, in mm-hmm. 3.0 plus 1.0. Yeah. And, you know, like we could also say, oh, he has ego blindness. He didn't like it's obvious that his plan for instrumentality wasn't going to work. Like Ray was never going to accept this person, uh, but he couldn't see past that. She almost did. She was good with it up until Shinji called out. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, too, if that sorry, the, the Ray that we saw, that interaction between Shinji and Misato, if that's kind of like like Ray watching that interaction and there's something about that interaction that led to, to her making that decision. Mm. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the only other thing I wanted to hit before we get to Shinji Asuka. I mean, we could also go through all, what is all the imagery of instrumentality mean? Uh, but that's kind of heady stuff. We'd need another hour. <laughs> so just want to say, so, so the beginning of that trippy imagery, we have the same thing that we have at the ending, right? So that's kind of, we get it set off by choking. Is that right? Or no, there's stuff that leads up to choking. Yeah. And then that's when it gets really trippy and the weird song comes in. So my understanding of instrumentality, like all minds become one and that's got to be chaos. And I think we, we see this montage of chaos. We see like, it's like a whole minute of like all this video and audio overlaid. And then we see some like linear stuff, presumably in Shinji's head. Again, a lot of like chaotic relationship dynamics. And then we get like the abstract live action stuff. And maybe there's like a meta narrative there. But the thing that really stuck out at me was when sort of clarity started to come out of the chaos. Um, I think it's just in the form of like narration, this idea of like death and rebirth and the idea of hope. I think it's the voice of Ray saying like Shinji can restore individuality. And I think it's the dialogue between Koaru and Ray. And then the next narration that comes after that is like 
the dream gives birth to reality. Reality gives birth to the dream. Um, I guess most sense I can make out of it is like that Shinji, the extent of his hope was that maybe he and Ray could be the ones who incarnate as humans again. And You mean Asuka uh, and Shinji? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Asuka and Shinji. It, it feels like this sort of Adam and Eve thing. Mm, mm-hmm. But but there's this weird, like we see like an image of Ray again, like standing on the water or the LCL. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like the imagery of the apocryphal Lilith story. There's Adam, Eve, and Lilith. And then Lilith takes off. She's not into Adam. So in this case, like Ray takes off. And, you know, uh, we know that there's discord between the biblical Adam and Eve and whatever's going on with Shinji and Asuka. It's not happy and healthy. He tries to choke her, but isn't she there because of what he willed? Because he chose. Yeah. And then she just puts her hand on his face while he's choking her, and that calms him down. And then they're just there together, and then she... um, Calls him disgusting. uh Uh-huh. But, you know, that can just be their repertoire. (laughs) Like, that's how they interact with smack talk. But that was a pretty dramatic scene. Yeah, it's like a call when, like, the you, you definitely call back to the start of instrumentality when you know, the vision of choking Asuka when he rejected Shinji, like, don't abandon me, no. And they come out of instrumentality. And, you know, why did, why did, why did Shinji choose Asuka and not, like, you know, I don't know, Ritsuko or anybody else? It's, you know, it's, it's really fascinating that last scene. The fact that Asuka reached up and, like, you know, like that right there just like made me, it just made all the the chaos and the trauma, it just, it made it not feel as terrible for me. Hmm. Like, okay, this is a good ending. Anna doesn't actually hate us. <laughs> I was going to say that there is definitely yeah. a symmetry between like the first scene and the last scene. Like Asuka's kind of like passed out in both of them. We have like the teardrops as opposed to the come, I guess. And, you know, like he <laughs> mm. says at the beginning, like, I'm disgusting. I'm like the very worst. And then at the end, she's like, <gasps> oh, you're disgusting. And it's kind of like has gone from like being in his own world to now like he started the movie alone and now he's there with her and it's like he is just as disgusting as like <laughs> he thinks he is but it's like someone else yeah. telling it to him now i don't know like yeah that scene actually he does actually cry and the teardrop goes on Oscar's face on the hospital bed hmm. Hmm. i was gonna say too i was watching this with maggie and she was saying that there's um there's some sort of like hindu myth that you know, the idea is like this God and everything forms together and then the God splits its consciousness apart and then eventually it like comes back together again. And the idea is like the pleasure of everything coming back together again is so great that it just decides to start the cycle over again and kind of split everyone mm-hmm. up. And there, There's definitely some vibes of that in instrumentality, but it's almost like like sort of the opposite or something like well, that. Yeah. Like it's like the pleasure of being separate is worth it or like, the I don't know. Yeah. So there's this idea that like all of us, all of life is just parts of the universe experiencing itself. You know, like if you want to call that God, God cannot have experiences. <laughs> if you're like all knowing, all powerful and all present, like that's not living. 
this comes up in a lot of like isekai animes too. Or like if you want the Roy video game in Rick and Morty, like you can't have like a qualitative experience unless it feels real. But yeah, like instrumentality is sort of like that. And then like what I was just thinking about is like if Asuka was a part of that, she gets to see Shinji, like all of him. <laughs> like she saw the hospital scene, but like she sees everything yeah. else too. And that's yeah. where it changes. Cause it's not at the very end, it's not the same Shinji and Asuka we saw for 26 episodes. It's a Shinji and Asuka, Asuka that was like one with every mind on the planet, including each well, other. And, it, and it's kind of that thing of like, if you knew, if you knew everything like uh, that Peter Bjorn and whatever song, I don't know, bad reference, but, but just kind of like this idea of like, Oh, if you knew any, everything about me, would you still love me? And then it's kind of like, oh. well, potentially now, like she does know everything about Shinji and she's just like, yeah, you're gross. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but she still puts her hand on his face. That's true. Why is he choking her? That, that part. I thought he was choking her because it wasn't his choice that brought her there. It was both of their choices that brought them both out of instrumentality. And he was choking her because he was like, oh, fuck, this bitch is here. Like, like it's a, like hell is other people. Like, I wanted to live again, but like, yeah. not not with you. Of, of everybody, <laughs> why <are> you? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Going back to the kind of uh, Anu thing. I mean, you think about it like here's this guy. He's like kind of on top of the world. He gets to make this movie that's like his baby. And then it's kind of like, oh, and you chose the first scene to be uh, this kid jerking off in a hospital. And like, I don't know, like maybe his kink is people telling him that he's disgusting. (laughs) 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 And I don't know, like just to have that kind of like bravery as a creator to just like kind of make something that weird and like put that out in the world as like this thing that's going to be associated with you is Hard to mm. hard to imagine. Holy shit! This guy's taking Roy off the grid. This guy doesn't have a social security number for Roy. So, Blixa, any final thoughts before we ask for a much anticipated recommendation? Um, I really enjoyed uh, End of Evangelion. I say this every single time, uh, but like, it's just always so wonderful to experience uh, an anime in this context and I just get so much more out of it versus just watching it by myself. Uh, so thank you to everyone that participated. And uh, I guess we are on to the, the, the big question for Adria. Like if someone enjoyed End of Evangelion, uh, what would you recommend as a follow-up? I uh, probably would point people to Madoka Magica. It's not, doesn't have full mecha in it. But it's a very similar story of trauma. And um, unlike Evangelion, there doesn't seem to be much hope in Madoka Magica. It, it hit me really hard the first time I saw it. In the same way that you watch Evangelion the first time, you, you get up to episode 13 and you get up, you learn the backstory and you're like, it just hits you. Like it, that same deep feeling like whoa like what the fuck is is what i got when seeing madoka magica yeah so uh would you think it's fair to say that like what evangelion is to mech anime 
uh, Madoka is to like magical girl anime. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, because I don't think we got this at the beginning. Uh, if someone wanted to find your work, like your your band, mm -hmm. where could they find it? Are you on Bandcamp? Are you on Spotify? Are you on SoundCloud? I am on all of the above. Um, my band, okay. Tears to the Dying, um, put a lot together on um, Instagram. Also on, uh, who the fuck is on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh on youtube we're on Bandcamp, we're on spotify so you can dial up our music and play it there we also have a really janky website that i made a long long time ago and i recently republished it because like like i get so tired of seeing like wordpress sites everywhere and they all look kind of the same and i was like you know what this site i made like by hand back in 2007 Fuck it, and put it out. Tearsforthedying.com. All right, so is everybody good? All right. Pen. Pen. Pals. Oh, oh Susan. 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 Susan.